With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The 13th Amendment to the United States Constitution abolished slavery and involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for a crime. Ever wondered how we ended up with the largest prison population of any country? Have you noticed that those whose jobs it is to protect and serve seem to be demanding more and more blind obedience? You didn't think it just happened by chance, did you? It's time to call attention to the fact our government is the most prolific slave owner on the planet. This is Surviving the System. Thank you for joining me today on Surviving the System. This is Dancing Dave. And tonight, you know what? I really have absolutely no idea what I'm going to talk about again. There's just so much going on at this point, not, not even just for a lack of not even for a lack of of subject matter, but there's just so much. So much going on, I don't really know where to start. So, I think I'm going to I'm going to start by just sharing a story again. I had a, a good friend of mine reached out to me and unfortunately he is struggling, you know, really struggling. And I need to, I need to talk about, I need to talk about him and I need to talk about his story a little bit because his is to me really one of the more tragic that I came across and yet at the same time, one of the better success stories, so to speak, like hearing everything that this man overcame to just even be where he's at right now. And, and I mean, his journey is nowhere near done, but just to see where he's at now, I mean, I, I, I don't think he understands how much I respect him for coming through what he's come through. So before we get into that, we will go ahead and do our couple quick housekeeping items. Don't forget to check us out on social media at facebook.com slash surviving the system and on Twitter at STS, the podcast. Uh, I would love to really get some stories. Really love to get some stories from everybody just talking a little bit about your experiences. What, what happened to you? What happened to your loved one? Uh, I know that there are tons of stories out there because I hear from you folks all the time. Don't be afraid to step forward. Don't, don't be afraid to tell your story. There's a lot more people out there that will support you than you probably even know. And if nothing else, believe me, it is it's a form of its own therapy to just talk about it. 
to talk about it in a non-judgmental environment, just to be able to tell your story, to have someone hear it and listen to you. There's nothing like it. Nothing like it. It's, it's better than, it's better than any prescription antidepressant that they'll ever put you on. We are also, of course, on the web. We are on facebook.com slash surviving the system, Twitter at STS, the podcast, and the website is surviving the system.org. I have a contact us page for, for both. And I would love to hear from you, even if it's just to drop me a note, say hi, let me know what you think love to hear from you folks and if you haven't already please do take some extra time to find the show wherever you listen to podcasts subscribe to the show leave me a rating most importantly share the show with your community you know i'm i'm never going to be able to get the reach that i need to without your help Google's not going to give me any help with the algorithms. There's, there's not a chance in hell, not a chance in hell. So I really need your help. Absolutely need your help. And as always, before we get going, we are going to start with a quick moment of gratitude. The gratitude just really helps us to, to keep the vibration high, keep that energy high and as we're going to be talking about some difficult subjects, especially tonight, you know, this, my, my friend's story, as I said, it's, it's still ongoing. He's come through a lot. It, it can really take you to dark places and to keep it from dragging us down. This will help. This allows us to delve into these topics with, with an air of being productive and being constructive. And trying to, trying to find something good to come from this. So with that said, I just want you to know that I am, I am so grateful to be here with you, allowing me to live out my purpose to help to remind you of who you really are. If it wasn't for you, I'd just be some dude sitting in the basement talking to the cat. So thank you for helping me to not be perceived as crazy. So when, when I got to, when I got to OCC and for those that may be new to the show or new to anything related to the Nebraska department of corrections, that stands for Omaha correctional center. That was the low to medium security prison facility here in Omaha, Nebraska, where I did the remaining 11 months uh, of my sentence that they, they made me do. Now, coming from, I, I had bounced around and I was in four different facilities in six months. Four different, and man, let me tell you what, you have no idea how difficult that is when you can't ever get your feet underneath you and get settled. Right when you get settled, get into a routine, you've got a supportive group of people around you, you've, you've found your tribe, then okay pack up get your shit let's go and on to the next place and that 
that's tough. It's <laughs> really tough to start over that many times in that short of amount of a period in that type of an environment. So I was not happy to be coming to OCC at all. On the plus side, you know, it was closer to home, which meant my family would be able to come and see me a little bit easier. So that was a big plus. So when I got there, they've got to, you got to go through intake and they've got to, you basically just sit there and wait for them to figure out what they're going to do with you, which takes a while sometimes. So sitting there waiting, waiting and waiting and waiting <laughs> about half the day, just waiting. Finally, they said, okay, this is your room. This is where we're going to take you. Let's go. And they walk you to the building. They show you your room. Sayonara. See you later. And out the door they go. And that's it. You're on your own. And you got to figure it all out. Now, if you're fortunate and you have a good group of people around you, they'll, they'll clue you in pretty quick. And I was very fortunate. Very fortunate. First person I met was Cliff. Cliff walked in. Hey man, nice to meet you. Shook my hand, introduced himself. Super cool guy. Really nice. He was always good to me. Next person that came in was Jared Prince, who you, if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, I've had him on multiple times, multiple times. He and I have become, I mean, the best of friends at this point. Well, he was, he was my bunkie. He was on the bottom bunk. I took the top. So he was nervous to see what kind of a person I was. Cause you just never know who you're going to get. <laughs> you never know who's coming through that door. Sometimes they cycle through all the time. Sometimes you get some crazies. Sometimes you get some people that you just don't get along with period. So we both got lucky. We both got very fortunate. Third person that I wound up meeting was bill. And bill is who I want to talk about tonight. Because bill Bill's not here to tell his story right now. Bill doesn't think that Bill doesn't think that people care about his story. And I care. And that's why I'm going to talk about it. So Bill came in I was on the top bunk and he was on the bunk directly across from me. So now to try to give yourself this visual, if you imagine walking into a room, there's eight bunks, four bunk beds. Right as you walk in, there's one to your left, one to your right. Go back a little further. There's another one on the left against the back wall and another one on the right against the back wall. So two on this wall, two on the other wall, two in the front, two in the back. If you're still facing inside the room, I was in the back left on the top. Bill was in the back right on the top, right above Cliff. Bill came in. Shorter guy, big Coke bottle glasses. I mean, I mean, big Coke bottle glasses. Think uh, if you've ever seen 
trailer park boys. Just picture bubbles. Those those glasses. Bill's eyesight was very bad. So he had those glasses. But he walked in, introduced himself. You know, if you need something, let me know. It's okay. I didn't really, you know, quite know what to to think of Bill at that time yet, but I know now why after everything he's been through, but as that day went on, Bill, Bill had been there for a minute. He actually wound up doing 10 years total, 10 years. So he was probably on year nine by the time I got there. He was almost out. Almost there. So he had his little setup. And one of the things that he had done, he had a TV and the TV would attach to the end of your bunk. But he, because there were so many people in these rooms, you didn't have any, you didn't have any audio. The only way that you could listen was to plug in earbuds or a headset. Well, I just got there and I just came from a dorm of a hundred other people, 99 other people. And they didn't let us have our own TVs there because that's too many people and there was nowhere to put it. So I didn't have a TV yet. I had a little radio and that, that was about it. Nothing else. So Bill had his TV and what he had done is over the years, he had collected extension cords. So he had an extension cord that ran from his TV and it was taped up the wall to the back. And then he had another extension cord plugged into that one to string it across the back wall towards my bunk. And then he had one more extension cord to carry it the rest of the way over to my bunk right behind my head. So when you get ready to settle down for the evening and he turns the TV on, he says, hey, if you've got like a set of earbuds, just plug in. You can listen to whatever I'm watching. And I was like, dude, that's really cool. Holy crap. Like he went out of his way to just design this contraption and collect extension cords, which remember, believe me, this is, this is outside in a prison yard. Those are not easy to come by. It's not like being at home where I can go upstairs and we've got extension cords and we've got chargers and I mean, we've got everything laying all over the place. These are, these are not easy to find. So this took him some time and some thought to just string this around so I could sit and watch TV and listen with him until I got my own. Super cool. And then he would also, he could unplug it and he'd be like, Hey, I'm going to listen to this CD. You want to listen? And he would plug the CD player into that Jack and I could put my headphones in and I could listen to whatever he's listening to. Bill, Bill basically just had this attitude of what's mine is yours. Let me know what else you need. 
and in that kind of an environment, again, I'd been bounced all over the place, all over the place. So coming into this room, that was, that was what I needed. I re- I needed that kind of support. And the thing of it is, everybody inside needs that kind of support, whether they say it or not. And Bill knew that. He was just following his heart, but really you can look at it as the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And the more I got to know Bill, realized he had a little bit of an anger control problem too. He would get angry over just the stupidest stuff. Not violently angry. Just really, really pissed. Over just, I mean, minor stuff. Minor stuff. Sometimes it was kind of funny to listen and get him all riled up, you know, but most of the time we were like, Bill, calm down, man. It's not that big of a deal. Relax. Take a deep breath. It was, boy, it was easy to get him going. So easy to get him going. Bill worked in the library with Jared. And I heard them talking about it and asked if I could get a job at the library. Do you guys need any help? I was, well, yeah, actually we do. So wound up getting a job there. So I got to, I got to work with Bill too. And I talk a lot about, talk a lot about Jared on this show. Cause Jared and I, I mean, we spent most of our time together. Literally I slept right above him for a year but the three of us were, were practically inseparable. You know, if I was, if I wasn't with Jared, I was hanging out with Bill. And Bill was the one that really helped to just kind of show me the ropes. And when I say show me the ropes, I mean to show you what to do and what not to do and when to do it and when not to do it. Big misconception with people about prison is that while it is very heavily regulated, each facility still kind of has its own way of doing things, but nobody ever tells you. And then you've got two layers of that. You've got the institution's rules, and then you've got the inmates rules and the inmates rules are what you really need to pay attention to really need to pay attention to. And I mean, it's something just as simple as if you're not going to eat everything off your tray and somebody says, Hey, can I have that? Well, yeah, sure. Here, I'm not going to eat it. That's cool. You have, you have no idea the level of complexity of social interactions that can potentially happen in that moment where you could offend someone and piss them off. If I wanted to say, yeah, go ahead. You can take this. Well, first of all, Sally's first. You always offer it 
to your cellies first. Even though they didn't ask, you, you have to say no until you check with them first. And then on top of that, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Like we, we out here think if someone comes up, hey, can you hand me that real quick? Yeah, here you go. And you pick it up and you hand it to them. Nope, don't touch it. If you're going to give someone something off of your tray, it, even though you put it there, don't pick it up and hand it to them. It's insulting for whatever reason. And this wasn't at every facility. This was just particularly at this facility. And I could keep going on and on again about the social interactions. It's the stuff like that that I needed Bill for. Because otherwise, I'd piss off the wrong person and God knows what would have happened. So as I spent more time inside, got to hang out with Bill, got to, uh, got to get him to open up a little bit. Dude, he loved to laugh, loved to laugh. Good sense of humor. We joked around all the time, all the time, sometimes at his expense because he was, he was pretty easy to pick on and get him riled up. Lopez gave everybody in the library a nickname. And Bill's was Steel Bill. Because Bill came in 10 years prior, a scrawny, sickly looking kid. And then he hit the weight pile. So by the time I got to meet him, he was jacked. He was just absolutely jacked. So Steel Bill and I got to hang out quite a bit. And as you get to know someone a little bit, you, you start to open up and tell them your story. At times, nobody really asked, why are you in here? What are you doing? The attitude was more of, hey, we're all wearing the same color. We're both in prison. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Nobody's better than the other. So I got to know Bill's story a little bit more. And when we come back from the break, I'll tell you a little bit about Bill's story and the heartbreak that this poor kid had to go through thanks to the Department of Corrections. Stay with, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Surviving the System. This is Still Dancing Dave. And if you are joining us live on Fringe FM, don't forget you can call in if you have questions or comments at 1-800-588-0335. 800-588-0335. So, Bill, let's pick up where we left off. Bill was incarcerated for, how do I, I don't really even know the right, right way to say this, especially in this, in this day and age of me too, this is something that gets so overlooked 
we don't have a term for it because I don't think anybody wants to face this harsh truth. Bill went to a bar, met a woman. They went back to her place. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. And then, later, he found out that she was underage. She used a fake ID to get into the club. The bouncers checked her ID, let her in. Bill knew that being in this club, you had to be 21 or older. So as a reasonable human being, what else would you think? What else would you think? So Bill, her parents, the other, the other party's parents, the female in this, in this situation, uh, her parents decided to make an issue of it and press charges. So Bill went away for all of his 20s. And if you know anything about physiology, biology, adolescence in humans and men and women doesn't stop until age 25. So Bill was, I mean, essentially raised in part by the Department of Corrections. And that happens to too many people. And let me tell you what. They are not a good parent by any, any sense of the imagination. If, if the Department of Corrections, and I don't even just mean Nebraska, if the Department of Corrections for pick a state in the United States of America, if the Department of Corrections was an actual physical human being, it was a person the funny thing is the system wouldn't even let it take care of people because of the way that it treats people. And you've got CPS, which believe me, I do not trust CPS. That is a whole other issue. You can go all the way back to my first year and listen to the interview that I did with the gentleman whose daughter was just taken by CPS and there was nothing he could do about it. However, they do have a function, and in very, very few cases, it is really to protect the, to protect the welfare of the child, because they're in 
a really crappy situation. Their parents should not be in charge of people. That is the Department of Corrections. The parent that gets their children taken away from them because they're just downright abusive. They're a POS parent. That is the Department of Corrections. That is who helped to raise Bill for his 20s. As I mentioned before, when Bill went in, he was scrawny. You know, maybe 100 pounds soaking wet. And he's short, so he was a little guy. And Bill has anger issues. So Bill mouthed off a lot. Bill got beat up a lot for the first majority of his stay. He was targeted quite a bit. Once they figured out that, you know, they could get him, they just kept coming back at him. He did some time in the hole, which the blessing in disguise there is it was a break for him, at least. The downside is if you've, if you've never looked at any of the research of what complete and total isolation does to a human being, I suggest you do so you understand what you are allowing to happen to people wherever you're at. Whatever state, whatever country you're in, believe me, the prisons, the jails, the system, they're putting people in isolation for whatever reason it might be. So Bill had a lot of psychological damage. The physical heals much faster than the emotional and the mental. So that was why Bill started hitting the weight pile. Because he said... F this, I'm not going to let them do this to me anymore. And he started doing something about it. So credit to him. So by the time he got to OCC, and this is before I got there, but when he first got there, he was in the room next to our room. And Jared was telling me the story of how every night when the lights went off, he could hear the guys in the room next door through the vents just beating the crap out of Bill every night. And it, it pissed him off. So he went to him. And he said, just come into our room. Our room 
for whatever reason, we had a really good atmosphere in our room and people that just, that just wanted that peace and quiet. They wanted that safety. They wanted to know that they could come back at the end of the day to a place where they didn't have to watch their back. They didn't have sleep deprivation because everybody was up all night. So that was our room. So he told him, why don't you just come in our room? And he did. Obviously, or I wouldn't have met him. So by the time I got there to meet Bill, this was all of the backstory building up to the man that I met. And a lot of it, it made sense with just some of his mannerisms. You know, you can, if you've, if you've ever seen a dog that you, you just know this dog has been abused, it's been hit. Like when you go to reach your hand down to pet them and they flinch back, you, you just know that's, that was kind of, that was kind of Bill's attitude until you got to know him. You know, at first he was really skittish of that hand being extended towards him. But Bill and I got to be, like I said, really good friends, really good friends. So I got home when I was let go. I got home and I made sure that I found Bill again. Bill had just before I left, went over to work release. So he was on his way out. I found out when his parole hearing was. And I went. So, I mean, it was right after I got home. So I still didn't have a job yet. I wasn't really doing anything. So I just, I told my wife, I'm, I'm going to go. Bill needs me there. And so if nothing else, man, it was cool to just hang out with him because we hadn't seen each other in a couple months by this point, you know, and he had all new stories to tell because he'd been at work release and he's got a job now and he's telling me all about how he rides his bike to work and he's got money and totally different for him. 10 years, 10 years. So to him, this was all new. But he also never had that chance through his 20s to start that to start that habit of being productive and getting a job and knowing what it's like to have the responsibility of paying bills and to show up on time. So he was now having to learn all of this in his early 30s. So it was really just, just to be able to sit down and be like, dude, let me, let me try to help answer some of that for you. Let me, let me give you some advice. So, so awesome. So awesome. His dad was there. I got to meet his dad for the first time. So he had a couple people there to show support. 
so we went into the parole hearing. Now this, it was bittersweet for me because this was the same parole board that had denied me parole illegally and unlawfully and made me do that 17 months. So I wasn't really looking forward to seeing them because I still had some issues I had to get over. But this was for Bill. So I could put all of that aside for the moment. And man, you have no idea what it was like to look in the face of the lovely gentleman who was the cause of my parole being denied. Because no matter how many times I tried to explain to him, I don't have enough time to complete that program you're telling me I need to do. Well, let's just give it a shot. You just need to try. Okay. Son of a bitch didn't even remember me. Didn't even remember me. And I, I understand that they see a lot of people on a regular basis. I get that. But you know, man, it took every, everything in me to not come across that table and punch this dude in the face when he just looks up at us. He's like, oh, it's great to see he's got some support here. Thank you for coming out and showing your support today. I was like, dude, don't even talk to me. You know what you did to me. Don't try this crap. Bill had enough of a vote, majority vote, to get his parole. So he had to start lining it up. His dad gave him a place to stay. They got that taken care of. He already had his job. There was a few other hoops he had to jump through, but eventually he made it out. And I brought him to my home. And of course he met my wife and he sat, he sat in my living room and let my girls braid his hair. It was awesome just to be able to, to give that to him, you know? So fast forward a couple of years now, Bill struggled a lot and he's still struggling right now. He finished his adolescence inside prison, getting his ass kicked. He didn't know what a healthy relationship looked like because he never had time to develop one. The last one night stand relationship he had, the person lied about who she was and wound up ruining his life. So Bill, when he started just facing the normal struggles of life that we all face, he, he didn't know what to do. He, he struggled to handle it. 
you know, he turned to alcohol. To my knowledge, I do not believe he has done drugs, but I could be wrong because I haven't seen him in a couple of years. Anger issues. He introduced us to a girl that he was dating at one point. She told us that his PTSD was, was off the charts. You know, he never slept a full night. He'd wake up screaming almost every night. Bill reached out to me about a week ago. And just, it's the first I'd heard from him in, in a couple of years. He just, he fell off the face of the planet. And as much as I love Bill, I mean, he's, I, I, I can't, can't do it for him I, I have to let him figure stuff out i have to let him live his life even if even if it pains me to watch him going down this path of self-destruction i i can't stop him i can't make him better so i get this message from him and he just pours his heart out just pours his heart out He's homeless. He's jobless. He basically thinks that nobody cares about him. Because as he's facing these challenges, he lost his job. If it's me, I've talked about it on the show. I lost my job five months ago. You know what I did? I gave a big middle finger to him and I said, watch this. And I'm starting my own business. Was it easy? Hell no. I have those skills to be able to do that. Bill? Never developed those skills. Because remember, he has, he finished growing up with that abusive parent who really should not be allowed to have children but they do and instead of teaching him how to deal with life just blocked him in the bedroom all the time and beat him when they got out of line so when bill told me this you damn well better believe that I threw everything I had at him because he asked for help. Finally asked for help. I put him in touch with as many people as I could right away. And funny enough, it's interesting how life comes together at certain points. Because two of the people from Rise, the organization that's helped me through my tough times. You know, they work with incarcerated and formerly incarcerated people to really help them to teach those job readiness skills, entrepreneurial skills, and really just to know that someone's there to help you through this. Two of the people that work there, we were all inside with Bill. So I went to him and I said, dude, Bill needs help. And they immediately were like, what do we need? What do we need to do? And we got to work. So 
So Bill's got a job now. Now we've just got to work on the rest. Now we've got to work on the clothes. We've got to work on a phone. We've got to work on a home. We've got to work on that. Most importantly, that community. Because this is what Bill learned from being inside the system. He learned that nobody gives a crap about you. He learned that whatever bad happens, he probably deserves it. Bill did not learn to fight through that. But he is now. And that's what matters. Taking that first step and asking for help as humiliating as it might have felt for him. who is such a relief for me. You know, he may have thought that he was bothering me. I'm really sorry to dump this on you, man. Dude, don't ever apologize for coming to me. That's what, that's what this community is for. That's what I'm here for. Not just for Bill, but for you. To know that no matter how dark it gets, how hopeless you may think it is, it's not. There is still someone out there. There are people out there more than you know that will move heaven and earth to help you get back on your feet and get moving. All because we all went through the system together. It builds this camaraderie because nobody, you, you can't get it unless you've been there. Very similar to like the military. You don't, you don't get it. I've never been in the military, but you know what? There's a lot of people in the military that have never been in prison. And let me tell you what, it's no joke. Mentally, that will challenge you like you've never been challenged before. And I am, I am so grateful to come out on the back end of that better for having been through it. If I hadn't gone through hell and back, I wouldn't be here to help Bill. I want to thank you for your time. I hope you have found value in tonight's show. If you have, please don't forget to drop me a line, shoot me a message. Most importantly, share the show with your community. Let, let somebody else who needs to hear this, listen to it. Facebook.com slash surviving the system on Twitter at STS, the podcast and surviving the system.
Thank you again. Hope to talk to you next week. And as always, remember, keep your head up. Don't let them get you. It may be easy to look at all the corruption and manipulation in the system and feel hopeless. Here at Surviving the System, we hold to the belief that greatness is born in the midst of extraordinary struggles. You were created with a purpose, with infinite potential, and many have lost sight of that fact. We're here to remind you of who you are. The best revenge is success.